0: Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Adrian Guest, along with my co-host, Devin Dito. And we're back at it, listeners, here to deliver you Weekly Roundup number 12. It's April the 9th of 2022, and we're excited to be bringing you the news again. If you're new to our show, Weekly Roundup is just another thing that we do where we talk about domestic and international news. And if you're someone that's been a fan of since the beginning we appreciate you we always thank you and we remember that you're the reason why we continue so invite more friends and let's get right into it with our first segment wanted to start off so Devin, i've been watching abbott elementary so uh, i saw this article about cheryl lee roth and i was like hey i'll talk about her and um she was also oh, the mom of Moesha, so in case in case you're not watching oh, Abbott Elementary, know that. <laughs> you know, everybody watched Moesha, so everybody remembered that. But the star of the breakout hit comedy series Abbott Elementary, Cheryl Lee Ralph, said she was once fired from a TV show because she wasn't quote black enough. Ralph recently spoke with people about an instance in the '80s when she was removed from a television series after being cast in the pilot. Ralph says the show's producer, whom she did not name, is the person who let her go. That wouldn't be the last time that Ralph encountered a racial issue when it came to casting. During a March interview on ABC's The View, Ralph recalled a meeting with a casting director for a film. The casting director was doubtful that a black actress like Ralph would be able to play opposite a white star in a romantic role. Thankfully, you know, we've come a little bit of a long way from those sorts of viewpoints from casting directors. But interesting how people say, you know, not being black enough. It's almost makes me think, what does that even mean, Devin?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's a constant Not enough watermelon? Not eating enough watermelon, <laughs> you don't like fried chicken, talk, you talk proper English, mm-hmm. <laughs> all, those, all those things to get you <laughs> labeled not being Black enough. Uh, <laughs> it's, something, it's something in our community, we definitely, I feel like a lot of us feel the need to show off our Blackness. And so when you don't necessarily show off what people think is a st- stereotypical Black person, then they feel as though you're not as Black as they thought you were. You know, I've heard people at work say that to me, like, you know, like you're not, you could call black Uncle person.
0: Tom or something, or yeah, I mean, you're, it's you're the whitest black person I know. <laughs> and I'm just like, do you not understand how offensive that, like, I know you're joking and we're friends, but that's actually offensive for you to say that.
1: Like, I'm not coming in here. Like, I, it's just, it's a ridiculous conversation, but, um, you know, I'm glad that she is, she's now on Abbott Elementary. So she's obviously, she got her moment, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, It's something out there. Hopefully we end up moving past that, but we'll move to our next topic here. We're going to go to Chicago where a teacher has been removed from his high school after he hung a black doll by the neck in his classroom. And then according to the Chicago sun times argued with an offended black colleague in front of students. So this unidentified white teacher at Whitney young magnet high school taught history and according to the report, he had numerous complaints against him even before this incident, which occurred last Monday. Uh, the Sun-Times claimed last week that a fellow teacher, which is which was a younger black man, saw the stuffed doll, a helmeted, uniformed black football player, hanging from its neck in front of the teacher's classroom and confronted him. And the profanity-laced argument was recorded and shared among the student body. So, um, Adrian, I think there's just no room for people like this to have a job. You know, I don't know how many complaints it takes for administrators and school board members to know that there's a problem with this particular teacher. But the fact that he, this was even allowed to, to where it got to a point where a teacher, another teacher had to go confront him. I think just, I don't know. I don't know how you don't see it. And I just, it's just ridiculous that it got to this point, but just shows we still do, unfortunately, have some work to do. I know we just said in the first topic that we had made some progress. But um, at least with this particular teacher, um, we've got some some ways to go in rooting out people like this.
0: Yeah, I saw this story and I was just like, what the hell? Like, come on. Like, I just don't understand how someone in their mind could even think to you know, do this after all that you're a history teacher. So clearly, you know the history uh, of this country and what hanging a black man I mean, that's, I mean, hanging anybody for that matter. But I mean, it's that's just a crazy story. Uh, and I'm glad they let him go. Um, I hope they give him some counseling as well because maybe, maybe he's, uh, maybe there's a mental illness or something that he's just not owning up to. I don't know. But We're going to keep us in the world of school listeners, and we're going to talk about the Biden administration and how they're going to be helping school buildings. The White House is looking to improve school buildings for the youngest Americans the Biden-Harris Action Plan for Building Better School Infrastructure is in partnership with the U.S. Department of Energy. They've announced a $500 million grant program for K-12 public schools to do energy upgrades. The program is designed to help deliver cleaner and healthier classrooms, libraries, cafeterias, playgrounds, and gyms to do more than $3 million to to the more than 3 million teachers and 50 million students in the country. The nation's 100,000 public K-12 schools managed to earn only a D-plus rating from the American Society of Civil Engineers. In their 2021 report card for America's infrastructure report, the organization stressed that poor quality school facilities can negatively affect students' learning and health, Indoor air quality problems can aggravate respiratory illnesses, reduce student and teacher attendance and performance, as well as increase risk of transmission of respiratory infections like COVID nineteen. So, you know, Devin, I say uh, so often that each administration and each politician doesn't do enough for uh, for our, our, our you know future, which is our kids. So, I'm glad that the Biden administration is trying to tackle this issue. Uh, partnering with the Department of Energy, Uh, 500 million that it sounds like a lot of money. But whenever I think about how many schools there are, (laughs) that's (laughs) um, that's going to be spent. (laughs) It's going to be spent pretty quick. Um, So uh, Biden Harris' uh, action plan. Y'all better uh, build back better to something that's going to be in the billions, probably if we're going to really fix this issue. But we're thankful.
1: Oh no! I mean, we're we're thankful, but the need is great. Like like you say, a lot of deferred maintenance costs are piling up in, at these particular schools. So, five hundred million is like a good start, you know. But we we got a long ways to go oh. <laughs> as far as funding. Uh, but we we'll move to our next story here, which is about Stacey Abrams, who is, if you didn't know, she is going to run for governor again of the state of Georgia. But she's going to do it as a millionaire, apparently. So, uh, Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams filed state financial disclosures that placed her net worth at three point one seven million dollars, and she opened a, a new, which opened a new line of criti- criticism from her Republican opponents who are now targeting her millionaire status. Uh, when Abrams ran for governor four years ago, her net worth was just about 109000 and she owed $54,000 to the IRS for self-employment taxes that she didn't pay on time. And so her political rival- rivals painted her as a financially irresponsible and questioned her ability to oversee state finances. Now, we flip this argument. Instead of criticizing her financial management skills, now she's too good at it, and the GOP strategists are creating a narrative that the Democratic candidate is an out-of-touch elitist who can't connect with the lives of average Georgians. So that's quite a uh, juxtaposition there, Adrian, how you go from, I don't know, irresponsible just four years ago, making $100,000 and owing the IRS 50000 Now, you, you know, four years later, you're worth over $3 million and you're an out-of-touch elitist. Um <laughs> I I get the argument because, like you say, we've talked about this before. Politicians should not be getting rich, uh, but it's I don't understand how you make the cognitive dissonance. I think is too great for her, to go from her being financially irresponsible and that's why she shouldn't be your governor to now you're too responsible and you're making too much money. So <laughs> now you're out of touch and you still shouldn't be governor. <laughs> like right.
0: what gifts? Like you what? know how how many of these you know. How 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 many of these people who are saying this, you know, wh- where were they when Kelly Loeffler and oh uh, boy, wh- and the, the Purdue, whatever, where, mm-hmm. where were they at when when they were trying to run for Senate, um, saying that you you're out of touch because you're worth a lot. I mean, I I will definitely say that politicians, you know, shouldn't be making a bunch of money like you know, like Bernie Sanders became a multimillionaire after running unsuccessfully for president. Um, it's I like there are a lot of dynamics to it to where it looks a little shady to you know you know go from this to that you know hundred nine thousand dollars net worth and that that means her net worth that like her salary was less than that and just all of her assets together was that now she's worth over three million so I get the argument you could say there about you know maybe she's out of touch but I I like like Devin said it's it's such a false narrative. To say that someone's so financially irresponsible they shouldn't be governor, now they're managing their money too well and they shouldn't be governor. It just it doesn't add up, and I think it just goes to the fact that they're afraid of Stacey Abrams. Uh, I think that a lot of people in Georgia have always been afraid of her after they have seen Fair Fight and how much you know energy that she's charged within the Democratic base of Georgia. I mean, she's definitely a rising star within the party, Devin, and I foresee maybe uh, Governor Stacey Abrams, you know, I don't know, but, you know hats off to her. We're going to go to another interesting story, uh, keeping us in the South. This is out of South Carolina. I saw this one, Devin, and I was like, I didn't know firing squads and electric chairs were even used for execution in prison, but apparently so. So listeners in South Carolina, um, they're set to resume executions after a decade-long pause. The Palomino State has committed a fifty-three thousand renovation on its death chamber in Colombia to equip it with a electric chair, uh, or a death fire death by firing squad. So I guess you get a choice. You either you know die do the electric chair, or you can have death by firing squad. The first person to face execution is 57-year-old Richard Bernard Moore, who has been on death row for more than 20 years after being convicted of killing a clerk at a convenience store while attempting to rob it to support his cocaine addiction. South Carolina is one of four states to use a firing squad for executions and one of eight to still use an electric chair. It's so, I mean... uh, I, it just seems so unusual, I guess, particularly for, I mean, both of these. I mean, I, I think a lot of people went wanted to go away from lethal injection because sometimes it's complicated and different things of that nature. But this just seems so archaic and barbaric, almost, especially the firing squad. I read a little bit more about it to where it's like, you know, the person sits in a chair in the corner and there's like guns kind of in it to where you like you don't really get to see all the guns and it's like it's not like back in the day where you're just standing in front and they gun you down it's somewhat a humane way i guess if you if that's a way to you know <laughs> conceptualize it but it just seems so wrong to have a firing squad or an electric chair that that definitely like who wants to be electrocuted to death that just seems miserable
1: Exactly. I mean, you, you said everything I was going to say, which is it's it's barbaric. I mean, it's not becoming of what we consider ourselves to be as a civilized society. It's not something I think a civilized society should be doing, which is especially the firing squad. I think the argument for having the electric chair is that it was more humane than the firing squad, but they're still doing it, apparently, and they're along with three other states. So it just seems something like... What we think other countries do, like the Saudi Arabias of the world and Iran and Iraq and the stereotypes that we use on those groups to say that they're barbaric and haven't completely, you know, um, gone down the path of evolution and become a civilized society. Yet here we are having eight states still a- electrocuting people to death and then four states who use a firing squad. So how much different are we really? You know, Saudi Arabia beheads people for certain crimes we just give them the firing squad or electric chair Does How much difference is there
0: <laughs> like, You know, I like what you're talking Devin, listeners, y'all may be On the lookout for a future Black agenda episode about the death Penalty and execution, because mm-hmm. we Haven't talked about that and how that Fits into a civilized society And if just simply executing Someone, is that actually Justification for their actions Or, you know, so that's Hey, it sounds like an interesting episode <laughs> It's definitely controversial. Don't know why,
1: but it is. (laughs) But uh, before we get to our break here, we have one more little quick story for you. So uh, federal agencies are not usually known for being funny. However, the Transportation Security Administration, or TSA, as you better know it, has managed to find humor in some of the most challenging situations. And the Bureau of Social Media Director, Janice Burrell, and her team engage with the Americans on the move and people traveling to the country on several platforms, and they do it with style. And so, a new Q and A with Burl in the New York Times explores how the TSA shares information in a humorous way, especially on Instagram, where the agency's profile claims they offer quote travel tips and dad joke hits end quote. And so, more than one million people actually follow the TSA's Instagram account. And they get comments from tens of thousands of fans. So, who knew the TSA was a big social media hit? Even though I think most people hate them when they get into the airport, but
0: (laughs) you know, yeah, (laughs) most people would not give TSA props for comedy. Maybe props for annoying the hell out of you, you yes, making travel more inconvenient. But they do keep us safe. So I mean, there's that. They they keep us safe. Trade off. You're laughing. (laughs) <laughs> that's right, Straight keep you up. safe, keep you That's what that's what the Black Agenda does We keep you safe and we keep you alive And keep you in the loop about what's going on
1: Exactly That's that's what we're here for So we're going to go ahead and take our first break And when we come back, we have some quick updates for you We're going to talk about Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson We've got some news for her Will Smith also, we have an update there And of course, I will give you an update About the Ukraine-Russia war Because that
0: is still ongoing So stick with us. We'll be right back. You have been listening to the Black Agenda podcast. If you're enjoying the show, let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give a few dollars while you're at it. After all, the Black Agenda podcast is supported by listeners like you. Now let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back, listeners. So let's get
1: into our second segment here. And we do have some quick updates for you. We've got four this time. So, make sure you pay attention. So, first off, I mentioned it before the break, but Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson has now officially been confirmed as the 116th Justice on the Supreme Court. And it makes her the first black woman to ever serve on the top U.S. court. And she was confirmed with a 53 to 47 final vote tally, which did show some bipartisan support for Jackson. She got three Republicans joining. All of the Democrats to confirm her to the Supreme
0: Court. Absolutely. That's so, so exciting. Another thing that's going to be exciting, particularly if you're a student loan borrower, the Biden administration announced on Wednesday that it is going to extend the moratorium on federal student loan payments, interest and collections, which has been really, really nice because I am in this classification. (laughs) Uh, And this is going to go into the end of the summer. So going to go into August 31st. so got a little bit extra time to pay those debts or not worry about paying those debts rather. <laughs> That's true. You get a little extra
1: time. And then our next uh, update here, if you didn't know March is over, which means that the March madness tournament is also over. So you have another eight months of no college basketball, but we just wanted to give you the results of that. So in the men's tournament, uh, the Kansas uh, Jayhawks did go on to beat North Carolina 72 to 69 In the NCAA men's basketball title game in New Orleans. And this is the program's fourth national championship and the second championship for longtime coach Bill Self. On the women's side, the South Carolina Gamecocks won their second national championship in five years Sunday after defeating uh, the Connecticut Huskies 64 to 49. Coach Don Staley has become the, it has become the first black coach to win two division one national championships in history. So congrats to her and South Carolina. I believe they're going to be a dynasty, Adrian. I'm calling it. You heard it here first. We'll see. But I think it's a new dynasty coming.
0: Hey, listeners, Devin knows the sport, so you might want to play <laughs> some bets right now. Go ahead and put them in a hot take. Order. <laughs> it's a hot take. That's right. One thing, though, that you won't be able to bet on is Will Smith attending any Academy Award ceremonies or any events. Uh, because the Motion Picture Academy banned Will Smith from attending the Oscars or any other Academy event for 10 years following his slap of Chris Rock. The Academy also apologized for its handling of the situation and allowing Will to stay and accept his best actor award for King Richard. I mean, he won. it. I mean, it's like, you know, he still give it to him. I guess you should have maybe sent him away and just mailed it to him. I think, yeah, I
1: think that definitely (laughs) would have been the better way to handle that situation. Um, But, he got a well-deserved punishment for that. Actions have consequences, people. I mean, that's how that's kind of how it works. Uh, but we'll move to our next story here, which is like I said before the break. Also, we wanted to give you an update on the Ukraine-Russia war because that is still ongoing. So currently, Russian forces have fully withdrawn from the Ukrainian capital of Kiev and the, and the city of uh, Cherniv to its north. The Pentagon said on Wednesday this is part of Moscow's preparation. To concentrate its invading forces in the eastern part of the country, Um, U.S. and European intelligence officials have been tracking for days that Russia is in the midst of reorienting after encountering fierce resistance and also suffering thousands of casualties in North Ukraine. So I guess that is somewhat good news on the war front. But they also we have some really, really disturbing news that we got this week was that Ukrainian Prosecutor General. Uh, Arena, I'm not gonna butcher her last name, but she revealed on Friday that 164 bodies have been found in the Kyiv suburb of Bucha, where a massacre of civilians was uncovered following this withdrawal of Russian troops. And Ukrainian human rights ombudsman um, said on Tuesday that between 150 and 300 bodies may be in a mass grave by a church in the town of Bucha, where Ukraine accuses Russian troops of killing civilians. So um, Adrian, I think this really underscores where this war is really turning. Russia knows they're not going to win. So they have really just turned to just complete brutality. And um, we're seeing it here with these mass graves. And I think, unfortunately you're probably going to see more of this as they realize they're not going to win. They're just going to try to inflict as much pain and suffering Um, on civilians uh, in in Ukraine.
0: And it's sad, uh, listeners, if you haven't been keeping up with this, like, it's, it's, I mean, it's like tear jerkingly sad, if you haven't been really following. I mean, there's, there's been reports of how, you know, the Russians have ran over civilians, you know, while they've, you know, been in their cars, they've just run them over in their tanks. I mean, there's, Uh, been reports of how the soldiers have raped women in front of their families while their families have watched and how they've killed and mutilated bodies i mean it's like i said it's tear-jerkingly sad kind of stuff and i mean it's i just i just pray and hope that there's some resolution um out of the situation um because it's it's been a lot and it's you know Death to this degree, to this way is just I mean, it's it goes against the norms of, of war. Because you know, most countries that go mm-hmm. to war, there's certain protocols that, that every country adheres to, uh, and Putin does not play by those rules. So that's enough on Russia. Let's get to something else here. Uh, something is still talking about a little bit of a feud, but this feud has actually been resolved. Comedian actor Monique reconciled with director Lee Daniels, ending a years-long feud that stemmed from her refusal to promote their 2009 movie Precious. Daniels joined Monique on stage Friday night during her com- during her comedy show at the St. George Theater in Staten Island, New York. Monique has been vocal about her feud with Daniels telling the Hollywood reporter in 2015 that she was blackballed because she did not campaign for precious she quote. I got a call from Lee Daniels and he said to me, Monique, you've been blackballed.'" She told the magazine and I said, I've been blackballed. Why have I been blackball? And he said, because you didn't play the game. The two who went Thirteen years without speaking, Deadline reporter recently patched things up ahead of an announcement that Monique would star in Daniels upcoming film Demon House. So that's pretty interesting. Glad they reconciled, and hey, they they reconciled quick and even signed a business uh, deal. So that's that's true reconciliation there.
1: Yeah, this is not just words. This is reconciliation <laughs> in action. So that's
0: right. We're gonna make some money together now.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I'm glad to see that for Monique. She's been through a lot. You know, she had that whole um, controversy with her and Netflix and the pay and being underpaid and lowballed on her her deal with Netflix. So I'm glad to see she's getting back into uh, the circles because there was some bad bad mouthing, basically. You know, about her and just her being difficult to work with. So it was just a whole mess. So I'm glad she's patched that part up. Um, But we'll move to our next story here. We're going to go to Louisiana where lawmakers in the state are considering a bill that will keep mugshots from being accessible by the public before people are arrested, before people arrested have been convicted of a crime and except when they are being sought or fleeing uh, capture. Uh, State Representative Royce uh, DuPlessis of New Orleans argued that mugshots have an inherently prejudicial nature. Maintaining that for many, having them accessible to the public can result in job loss or other unearned penalties. Uh, the Louisiana Press Association, though, is opposing the legislation, saying it should be debated among the news media and not a legal mandate. So, Adrian, this is interesting. I mean, we are so used to seeing mug uh, mugshots, you know, of people being posted as soon as something happens, um, and so. I would be in support of this, especially if they're not, you know, fleeing the state or anything like that. I don't see the need to be posting mugshots, and we do know that mugshots uh, are stereotypical. I mean, they they come out with a bias. People assume they see a black person in the mugshot, they assume they did it. So I think mugshots aren't serving the purpose, the purpose that they were supposed to. I'm not sure what that was, but um, and and the representative Duplessis made a, a note too that the federal government does not release the mugshots of people charged with federal crimes. So this would really put us, you know, put the state more in line with what the federal government does. And I think it's a, a welcome change. Hopefully, you know, it gets approved.
0: Well, I mean, it has bipartisan support. The vote was 75-21. Uh, it's going to the state Senate. I hope Louisiana State Senate is nothing like our federal uh Senate where good bills die. Uh But <laughs> if it's unlike our Senate, um it's going to go to the desk of Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards to be signing the law. I think it's good. I mean, yeah, I think, you know... It, it could be a, a discussion for the news media, but let's, you know, that's what the purpose of government is. When there's an inefficiency in the market, uh, when there's something that's not very effective, when there's something that's not equitable, that's when government is supposed to step in and say, what can we put in place to make this a more equitable system for everybody? And especially if you're someone who you, it turns out you didn't do it, but now you've got this mugshot for everybody to always go back and look at. And just it's a stigma it just makes you look back to have that mugshot because that's your picture in the federal records it's you know, or in you know google people are always going to be able to see that and that's what they're going to think of you even after you've been a uh, someone who's been formally incarcerated and you've been a rehabilitated person they're still going to you know be reflective of what you looked like during that mugshot picture so i think that's a really really neat thing um To go to something interesting here, this is about, this is out of Houston where a neighborhood uh, was papered with racist flyers. So uh, another neighborhood in Houston has been hit with flyers promoting white supremacy. According to the Houston Chronicle, residents of the Cinco Ranch community in Katy, Texas found the flyers in their neighborhood early Monday. One resident, Craig Mosley, told the Chronicle that he discovered the flyer in a plastic bag held down by rocks after going outside to retrieve his newspaper. Inside was a flyer that reportedly had an image of a smiling, large, white animal and, and chow or perhaps a polar bear and the words, quote, I love being white at the top. The web address for the Aryan Freedom Network was printed on the bottom of the flyers, the Chronicle reported. As previously reported, racist literature has been found in several Houston neighborhoods. The Aryan Freedom Network is the name of the organization printed on the flyers found in the Heights and Astia Coti communities in March. Um, so, hopefully, uh, Devin, y'all get some resolution. I don't know if you've been seeing any of these. Pop- well, you're in Dallas, so I yeah. guess they hadn't gotten over to uh, Dallas. Hopefully, they don't get over to Dallas.
1: No, I hope they don't. I mean, I, I don't understand the point of this. I don't know if this is just a recruitment tool or they're just kind of letting people know like white supremacists still exist, which we we know that, but. Um, hopefully they catch whoever's doing this because it's just kind of stupid, um, you know, to be still d- doing that in 2022. But we move to our last story here, which is about uh, Rihanna. We've talked about her before. She is uh, on the way to having her first baby this year. And Rihanna is joined the billionaire club last year, but she officially makes her debut on Forbes annual bi- billionaires list this year. So. Uh, like I said, she has joined the club and she just got her first highlight in the Forbes annual list. And so at 34 years old, 34 years old um, and expected mother is one of 33 out of the 236 new billionaires added to the Forbes thirty-six annual list. And she is also one of 11 new billionaires who are self-made. So her journey become into becoming a mogul came in part through the widespread success of Fenty Beauty which includes Fenty Skin, and her lingerie brand, Savage by Fenty. So RiRi is estimated to be worth $1.7 billion, and her wealth is ranked at number 1,739 out of the 2,668 wealthy individuals. So, Adrian, I don't know. If you plan to become a billionaire, <laughs> you know, maybe you get on the list one day. But I think it's pretty amazing that she's worth one point seven. And she's ranked at one thousand seven hundred and thirty nine, which is like
0: towards the bottom. <laughs> That's true. Right. That's crazy. It's very crazy. It's interesting. Uh, I I will admit I don't have a goal of I have several lofty goals, like becoming president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> but I do not have a goal of becoming a billionaire. I don't have that. No, goal. Um, no, I don't. I did. I, it was interesting that we we're talking about this because I did have a conversation with one of my friends, Kyle. Um, and I was like, I do have a goal to have at least 100 plus million. Uh, like I okay. want to be worth a hundred mm-hmm. plus million. Um, right. But I don't, I don't, Like, you know, that's a goal for sure. Um i you know, I'm, I'm gonna they say manifest that I'm gonna I'm gonna manifest that, but uh that's awesome for her. Hats off. I hope you know she has a party. Um I hope that maybe that that class of twenty-six or almost twenty seven hundred individuals will Help, you know, with the Ukrainians. Um, One story that we wanted to uh, quickly mention before we go in the break African immigrant advocates point to a double standard in relief that the U.S. is giving uh, to Ukrainians in that. After President Joe Biden announced plans to welcome 100,000 Ukrainian refugees to the United States, African and Caribbean immigrants are questioning why so many Black refugees fleeing their conflict-torn countries have been denied similar humanitarian considerations. That's yeah, double standard for sure. In the weeks leading up to the conflict in Ukraine, the U.S. halted deportations to Ukraine and U.S. rep, uh, U.S. rep, uh, uh I A Presley, uh from Massachusetts and more Uh, Mandara Jones from New York urged administration in a letter to extend that same level of compassion to Haitians in the U.S. Advocates have said that the racial disparities are clear and have only made more evident by the well-documented hardships black immigrants and refugees face in the U.S., including challenges that make it nearly impossible to find safety and security. So, again, I hope that these wealthy individuals can kind of help to do something about that. Maybe not, but that is definitely a double standard. In my book,
1: Devin Oh, absolutely And we know it exists I mean, we did the story in February About what was happening to African refugees in Ukraine And how they were being treated So we know the history of the United States And we know the way that we look at the rest of the world Is that if you are blonde-haired, blue-eyed, with pale skin um, You're not a threat And we don't mind letting you in this country (laughs) To stay here as long as you need to
0: If you you happen to be Christian That's just a little cherry on top That's
1: just Extra on top, <laughs> the extra whipped cream. <laughs> like, it's
0: just, and I'm Christian. I'm not like making fun of that. I'm just saying. But I know,
1: but it, it's like, it's a lot like the meme with Peter Griffin from Family Guy where he has the color <laughs> code. <laughs> you know, he's sitting there looking at the guy in the car. I mean, it's like that's how we look at the rest of the world. The lighter you are, the more likely we are to be compassionate, to be able to help you, to give you millions of dollars in loans and weapons. And as we go down the pole, and you get darker skin, eh, we're not as generous. <laughs> we don't think you deserve it. <laughs> it's just, it's just the way it's set up. I mean, it's something we're trying to fight against, and I'm glad they're calling it out. But we understand why it's happening. I don't think we have to guess what's what's going on. So,
0: right. I mean, uh, <laughs> we already had uh, news outlets report how this is different because they're white. Yes. And Christian, <laughs> and it's not like the you know immigrants from the Middle East or North Africa, um, you know. I already simple. said that. It's funny they they didn't they didn't do a they didn't have a poker face. They just they just put the cards on the table. They said,
1: they said the quiet part. <laughs> they just went loud. all in.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly, it's no secret. But
0: hey, listeners, um, <laughs> we hope we are getting you ready for our quick hits because we're about to get into making some lives happen <laughs> before we get there. Just you know, revving our engines
1: basically give me a little teaser but we'll go ahead and take that take that break and then when we come back we'll get into our quick hits so stick with us we'll be right back thank you for listening to the black agenda podcast we appreciate your support and we ask that you like share and follow us on social media you can find
0: us on facebook ig and twitter at black agenda pod that's at black agenda pod let's get back to the show
1: All right, welcome back, listeners. So let's get into our quick hits here. Uh, We have some good ones. And our first story here is for all you people who said the vaccine was going to give you superpowers, it was going to kill you, make you grow a third arm or something crazy like that. Well, we have proof that a man got 90 COVID-19 shots, and that's nine zero COVID-19 shots, and he's still alive. With no complications. So a 60 year old man allegedly had had himself vaccinated against COVID-19 dozens of times in Germany in order to sell forged vaccination cards with real vaccine batch numbers to people not wanting to get vaccinated themselves. So the man from Eastern from the Eastern Germany city of. Madsberg, uh, whose name was not released in line with German privacy rules, is said to have received up to 90 shots against the COVID va- uh, COVID-19. Uh, he was caught at a vaccination center in Islandberg in Saxony when he showed up for a COVID-19 shot for the second day in a row. And police confiscated several blank vaccination cards from him and initiated criminal proceedings. It was not immediately clear though what impact the approximately 90 shots of vaccines uh, which are from different brands it's not clear what that what effect that had on his health but as far as we know he's still alive he's walking around adrian so i say to the you know the vaccine (laughs) the vaccine truthers out there i mean what more do you want the man took 90 shots and had no adverse reaction like how is that even possible
0: I mean that's and he was 60 so he probably already 60. had some pre-existing conditions I'm sure <laughs> by 60 it's like some he- probably has a heart pill or high blood pressure pill or something. I mean, so, I Come mean, on. I, I like this. They need to do a study around this to like deny all of this stuff about, you know, cause I had people tell me I was going to get a blood clot. If I got on a plane after getting vaccinated. Yep. So <laughs> just like this guy got 90 and he is kicking it. He was, he's about to get some more. I mean, he's, <laughs> <laughs> We we were not actually was one. in line to get more. Right, he's about to get some more. We don't even have a Guinness World Record for this, but somebody <laughs> needs to get him a mugshot in the Guinness World Bro- yes. Guinness World Book of Records for most COVID vaccines, and that's going to become a thing now. Some somebody's going to try to one up him. One up him, get a hundred. Basically, he was <laughs> on his way. They stopped. He was on his way.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> he wanted COVID. He wanted vaccine number one hundred.
0: I mean, I mean, I bet this guy is sixty. Probably doesn't have much, you know, no other accolades, not, not, el- nothing else going for him. Not, not to like, you know, talk about him, but I'm like, clearly, if you're doing this to sell vaccine cards, you probably don't have much else going for you. So yeah. I'm just like, they ruined it for him. I mean, <laughs> I almost feel bad. He's sixty. He don't need to be sitting in prison. Come on, he took more shots than his age. Like, come on,
1: man. <laughs> He took one for every year he was alive. Plus, um,
0: a, he'll, he'll get a gold star for that. I guess
1: I, I agree. They should put him in, in Guinness, and then they should put him. They should not arrest him. Put him on house arrest. You. you did us. You did us a favor. They should whenever they have the COVID nineteen hearings, put him on the stand and let him speak about his experience. Taking be like
0: the only the way you get out of jail is if you be a part of this medical study where we can see go. what this what these ninety yep. shots did to you. Exactly. No questions asked We're going to force you into the study
1: Yeah, it's the same way they do hackers Who get arrested, they have him go work for the government Make him go work for you Pay
0: your time off, that's, <laughs> that's what prison's for It's another form of indentured servitude uh, <laughs> 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 But let's go to another Story here, this is out of Oregon And I hear Oregon's a fun place I hadn't been there, but I, I might need to Maybe Not for this though But just for other stuff uh, an Oregon sports uh, bar, rather, excuse me, an Oregon bar is holding its grand opening, and it's called the sports bra. So it's a pretty you know, neat play on words there, I guess. And it's dedicated exclusively to women's sports. Jenny Wynn, a chef and founder of the sports bra in Portland, Oregon, said she believes her business is the world's first sports bar dedicated exclusively to women's sports. Almost that sports That was kind of hard after saying all of that. (laughs) Jenny said she came up with the idea for the bar about four years ago after watching a championship game at a bar on a small TV with no sound. She said, quote, I said something to the effect of, man, the only way we're ever going to have the opportunity to watch women's sports in its full glory is if we had our own place. She told K-A-T-U-T-B. I was like, Devin, I saw this. I was like, you might, you know, I know you're a big sportsy guy. And we always talk about how women's sports don't get enough focus. And now there's a whole, you know, you know, bar dedicated to it. My only thing I would say is I feel like if if she's wanting to do women's sports justice, I get why she called it the sports bra because, you know, women in sports probably wear sports bra. But I feel like men are going to just, you know. Men are going to make some jokes about that. I mean.
1: You can't lie. I'm pretty sure once you heard the name sports bra, you probably thought it was like a a gentleman's club or something. (laughs) That effect definitely did not think it was a sports bar for women. I thought that was something totally different. But no, I think I I like the idea and the concept. Um, You know, we need more support, you know, for women's sports. I do kind of, you know, agree about the title. It's like, eh. You know, he could have came up with something else But it, it's all good it's I like Jenny's in- idea, mm-hmm.
0: Jenny from the block
1: Right, Jenny's got good intentions She's trying to do good So if you're in Oregon um, Go support the sports bra in Portland <clears throat> And I think we should have one here in Dallas So go ahead I, I bet Virginia. if you, <laughs>
0: they probably have specials If you show up in a sports bra you they, ha- get like, they have you know, to <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to draw them in there <laughs> I mean, hey, you might even see men showing up in sports bras just to get that discount, especially if it's, I mean, if someone was like, hey, we give you 30% off your bill if you wore a sports bra, I would wear one, and I'd get a bunch of Henny that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, that's dangerous. <laughs> that's dangerous. <laughs> hey, I, I live in Muncie, listeners, and usually Henny, uh, Henny and Coke, it's going to run. So do you drink much, Devin? I drink some. Do, I'm usually, do you ever get a Henny? Do you ever drink Hennessy? or? Mm-mm. I well, usually
1: stick to vodka
0: cranberry. Or how a, much a is that going to cost
1: cranberry. you? Uh, that's probably at least
0: $7, $8. So I can get you know listeners a Henny, Henny Hennessy and Coke, which is top shelf, you know, cognac uh, or brandy or cognac, actually. Um, and I get it for 6 bucks here in Muncie. Nice, I mean, uh, Devin's vodka cranberry, nice. which you know most people just—I mean, it's probably you know that price everywhere. I can get my Henny and Coke, you know. It's what we need to visit Muncie <laughs> Well, I mean, I—I I would go visit Oregon and go to the sports bra first. <laughs> Portland, Oregon has a lot more to yeah. offer than Muncie, Indiana. True that.
1: You, you are correct in that. I'm not going to argue that part.
0: Uh. Hey, that's why classes end, or rather, my last finals May 6th, and I'm moving out of Muncie May 9th that following Monday.
1: Wow. <laughs> if, if listeners, if you didn't know how Adrian felt about the city of Muncie, Indiana, I think you just you just found out. Uh, clear as day. You don't even have to say the words. I don't like Muncie. I think <laughs> moving out three days after classes is clear enough. <laughs> you no I, 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 even, I I
0: got a survey uh, that they send you for like graduates who are about to graduate and if you're gonna stay in Indiana and work or and why you wouldn't. And <laughs> ask you a bunch of questions, and I took it I took advantage of answering that survey. I usually don't answer surveys, but I was like, yeah. I'm not honest. Honest. I was very honest to say the least. I I can only I'm imagine what you <laughs> I was like, I hope someone <laughs> no reads this and I left my name and email.
1: Oh yeah, oh, okay.
0: I want no uh, anonymity. An, anonymity, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want that at all. I want you to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, attach yes. these comments to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! So, so there you go. We'll we'll, we'll move to our next uh, quick hit here, <clears throat> which is about uh, Miss Lakisha Edwards, who won ten million dollars in the California lottery. After, quote, some rude person bumped her, forcing her to push the wrong vending machine button for a scratch ticket she had no intention of buying. And while she was driving on the highway later, she realized that the $30 ticket that she had bought actually reaped the top prize of $10 million. (laughs) So she actually had to pull over on the side of the highway and scan her ticket multiple times to actually make sure the thing was real. And she joked uh, that she nearly crashed her car in the process. And she purchased her ticket at a Vons supermarket in Tarzana, which received $50,000 for selling uh, the winning ticket. So some rude person at first almost ruined her day and got the wrong ticket, but then they bumped her into $10 million. So I think
0: i take that. <laughs> Damn. I mean, you can't you can't ask for Damn. uh much uh, better divine intervention than that oh. i mean that's that's you know, I, i'm telling you there's, there's a god and there's something else out there too i mean there's a lot of good energy from that i um <laughs> i've always said that i like i'm not a big gambler i do like the casino i like the vibe of that but i've always thought about playing the lottery just to play it just like i mean i know yeah. i'm probably not gonna win but it goes to a little bit of charity, and you get a chance of maybe $10 million. So, man, LaQuidra, I need to come and visit you out in uh, California. And if you're listening, um, we're giving you a shout-out. So invite Devin and I out to Tarzana, uh, and we'll sip Henny and vodka um, and you know, make the world a better okay. place together. With $10 million, uh, she could definitely invest into the Black Agenda. Um,
1: <laughs> i could go a very very long way here we can make um, you a
0: major partner <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening, uh, like that's right you know follow us share us and donate there you go you got 10 million reasons to help us out <laughs> Uh, uh, this is another interesting story. It's like when I saw this, I was like, obviously, you know, you don't want you know, congressmen to be attacked, but I was like, with the frustration that we feel as a country, you know, maybe they need to have something biting after them or whatever. But uh, Capitol Hill has a fox problem, Representative um, Ami Bera from California. Learned firsthand Monday evening while walking to the Capitol for votes. Now he's undergoing a series of four rabies shots out of an abundance of caution. Burroughs said he felt something lunge at him from behind as he walked near one of the Senate office buildings. He turned and used his umbrella to fend off what he thought was a small dog, but soon realized he was tangling with the fox. Barrow said the encounter lasted about 15 seconds, a bystander yelled to alert others, and the fox fled as U.S. Capitol Police officers ran up to the scene. Barra harbored no ill will towards the culprit, and Capitol Police was able to safely capture the fox and looking to release him or relocate him, rather. So, like I said, you know... Uh, maybe we need to like whenever like congressmen are being bad, we need to like you know place fox in the bushes oh, like sorry. you know, just like, <laughs> lunge after him every once in a while to be like you know you know have like a message you know under the fox to, like <laughs> over rights you know, vote, you know <laughs> voting rights bill police reform and that just like lunges at them or something <laughs> like that so way light. at night whenever they're like you know dreaming you know they wake up thinking about that fox that lunge at them with voting rights.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. That means the the votes could literally bite you, you know. <laughs> the votes you don't take bite you in the butt,
0: literally, you know, because That's of a fox. fox. <laughs> Get the Senate working.
1: Hey, could you oh man, could you imagine Mitch McConnell with, um, <laughs> go straight for the neck. <laughs> I, I,
0: right. I mean, he's got a pretty uh big neck. I mean, it's it's, you know, it's most it's of flat his face it's, it's I mean I, with him, I don't know. They they might need to just get a dog or a coyote. He doesn't he probably wouldn't take easily to a fox. That's probably not no. doesn't bite hard enough for him.
1: It'd uh, <laughs> be just enough. It's not to be like, that's to get Mitch. (laughs) uh, We'll move on to our next story here about uh, celebrity Paula Patton. You probably have seen her in the Mission Impossible movies, but she's gone viral for the wrong reason. And that is because she might have the world's weirdest fried chicken recipe. Um, So not too long ago, Paula Patton posted a video to her Instagram account of her making her mother's fried chicken recipe. However, it wasn't until TikTok user Ashley Spencer shared a review of her recipe that it became a hot topic on the internet. So the video shows her from start to finish making this recipe. So the first thing that kind of threw people off was that she really didn't wash the chicken. Uh, She just literally put it under cold water for about a, a second or two, and then she put it off to the side. So she did not really clean the chicken at all. And then the next thing she did when she didn't season the flour before battering the chicken. So it was under seasoned almost from the very beginning. <laughs> and then the the weirdest thing about this whole situation is that she seasoned the chicken in the oil. So she did she dropped it in, in oil, was frying it, and then literally takes her seasonings and pours it over the pot as it's cooking. So all the <clears throat> so everyone. And pictures in uh, video, pictures from the video appear to also show that the inside of the chicken she made was not all the way cooked through. And so she said that she was making chicken for her son's school. And she responded to all of her critics saying, I just wanted to respond and say, listen, I get it. Peace, love, and fried chicken. It might look crazy. It is the way we do it. My mom taught me, end quote. So I can honestly say, Adrian, I've seen chicken made a lot of different ways. But I've never in my life seen anybody season the chicken while it's cooking in the grease. I don't know. I can only imagine what it tastes like. <laughs> you know, cause
0: I'm just I, like, I, I don't so know. I, I, I was a sous chef in a restaurant uh, and I helped my mentor open a restaurant and I fried chicken and watch fried chicken or watch chicken fry. And that's not how you fry chicken. <laughs> You know it, that's not gonna work. I mean, I know I didn't everybody. Think so no, I know everybody doesn't wash your chicken before they use it, but you should uh, wash your chicken. You gotta put seasoning in that fl- in the in the flour because it's gonna stick to the chicken, and if ain't no seasoning, you're just gonna taste flour. It's gonna and be bland. T- and you gotta season <laughs> the, the actual chicken. You can't season it in oil. It's just gonna go everywhere. You can't the oil. I mean, you can't like. Get that seed. That season's not gonna penetrate in the oil. It's 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 burning. No. It's frying. It's cooking. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I'm not gonna, like call her out, but Paula, you know, you shouldn't be going. You're going viral for the wrong reasons, lady.
1: Literally, I, like, I. Oh man, I couldn't believe that she was doing it. She was. You could see her just pouring all this seasoning into the grease, and it's getting darker as she's doing it because it's cooking it. So it's like burning. I don't know how you thought that that was going to penetrate the chicken and get... I don't know. Anyway, Paula Patton, she stuck to it. She stuck to her gun. She said that's what her mom showed her. I would just love to know what that chicken tastes like,
0: though. <laughs> I, I, I know. I mean, it's, it's definitely something you don't do. So maybe it was one of those, like, happy accidents or whatever, and it's good. Probably not. But to end our quick hits segment, this is something... Again, that you shouldn't do like Paula's. You shouldn't fry chicken like this. Um, Mr. Jock Paul, you shouldn't try to apply for jobs using your STI results. That's a dangerous thing to do. So Jock Paul out of London had been job hunting for about 18 months when he saw an exciting opportunity in digital marketing. The 27 year old spent hours filing out, filling out the application and putting his best self forward. But it was, it wasn't until after the fact that he realized that he had submitted something that he shouldn't have and made a crucial mistake. Like I said, he had attached his uh, medical records for his STI screening instead of attaching his cover letter. On the plus side, those results were negative. So I guess you know the read, the author of this says if he were applying for something like a porn star, that would have, you know be better for him. But in the case of digital marketing, that's not gonna fly. "Quote: I freaked out and just waited, hoping that a nice, sensible human on the other side, seeing it and knowing it was an honest mistake, would reach out for the actual cover letter." but that obviously did not happen within 72 hours. I got a standard message saying that we're not processing your application and moving you on in the process. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I would be the sensible human that would be like, maybe you didn't mean to do this. Can you actually send us your cover letter? But I guess, you know, as a person who is going to hire somebody, if they're doing stuff like this before they get the job, you know, what if they send something like this to the the wrong thing to the client? So it's good. It was negative at least. So, you know, he didn't have, he didn't have an STI, but he also doesn't have a job. (laughs) Good news, bad news.
1: No, I mean, that was my first thought was, was like, if he's going to accidentally attach his, you know, STI results to his job application, then only imagine what he could do working for your company, could give our company secrets I mean it could go so many different ways not that he would do it but um, sucks for him but I'm not surprised they didn't hire him um, or that they at least you know were like hey can you send us your real cover letter <laughs> so we can make a fair judgment instead of just saying nah we're we're, we're not going to proceed with your application but <laughs> hey he's STI free at least <laughs> That's good news.
0: (laughs) That's always good news. So another bit of good news is that we're giving you a break, listeners. This is the end of our quick hits. As you can tell, Devin, I love bringing you these quick hits. It's one of our favorite parts of the show, favorite things that we do on the podcast. So make sure you stick with us, though, because we've got to give you some insight into the future. So we're going to give you a break and we'll be right back. Would you like to contribute to a scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with nonprofits? Would you like to submit a topic request or maybe even appear on our show? If so, become a monthly patron. Go to blackagendapod.com and click the donate tab or click donate under the timestamps as you're listening to the podcast. Thank you for your donation and belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back, listeners. So let's go ahead and wrap
1: up the show here and give you a look forward as to what is upcoming. So first up, you can look forward to hearing me and Adrian again this Tuesday, April 12th for our next episode, which is called Can Black Culture Hurt Us? And so like we mentioned last week, we want to have a real conversation about not saying that black culture is a bad thing or if there's something wrong with it, but can some of the things in our culture hurt us when trying to live in a world in a dominant society that rewards certain people for certain behaviors. And so we're going to dive into that conversation. And our guest for this show is a great one. Her name is Rhonda Roche Penrice, and she's a content creator and author with expertise in Black and African-American history and pop culture. Uh, Penrice has written for many magazines and websites, including Honey, Vibe, Essence, uh, Savoy, and even Vibe.com. So she's decorated and she knows her stuff she's an expert on this topic and so she's going to be joining us on tuesday april 12th to talk with us about can black culture hurt us so make sure you tune in on tuesday coming up after tuesday you can hear us right back here on saturday april 16th for weekly roundup number 13 that'll be hopefully a lucky number 13 i'm coming to you next saturday so make sure you tune in for some more news some more quick hits Uh, With me and Adrian giving you the commentary on everything that's happening in the world around us. So, lots going on. We got some great episodes coming up. So, make sure you tune in next week, next Tuesday, April 12th, next Saturday, April April 16th, uh, for some great episodes. And before we go, we also want to let you know you can help us out by donating to us. And Adrian's going to let you know how you can do that.
0: Absolutely, listeners. You know, if you like all the stuff that we're doing, which I'm sure you do. Um you should give to us. Um, yeah, you should listen to us, but giving to us takes it to a whole nother level because Devin and I, you know, you don't get to listen to these conversations where we always have conversations about our direction and where we're taking this thing. And we can't take this anywhere without money. Uh that's 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 one of the things living in the United States where, you know, having capital is king, um, we need that. And you're part of it. We really believe that we're going to get to that level because of our listenership and those people who are living throughout the country that believe in our mission of bringing social justice to every community. So if you believe in all of that, go to our website. It's blackagendapod.com or another option while you're listening, scroll down in the timestamps. There's a donate button right there. Both are going to take you to our patron page where you will be able to donate on a monthly level. You will also get stuff from Devin and myself, whether that's shout outs, Q and A's, monthly meetings, all kinds of stuff in there. So make sure you go to our website, black or scroll down in the timestamps, click the donate tab and start giving. The other thing that we like to do is pay it forward and mention another charity. So while we're asking for money, we're going to also pay it forward to another charity This charity of the month is going to be Operation Hope. We talked about them a couple times. Their focus is financial dignity and inclusion. Remember, April is Financial Literacy Awareness Month. They're working to equip young people and adults with financial tools and education. They're moving America from civil rights to silver rights with the mission of making free enterprise and capitalism work for the underserved.
1: Exactly. So make sure you help help them out a little bit. Help us out. Help us out first. <laughs> but we will all appreciate um any, you know, help that you give us um here at the black agenda. Before we go, well you can keep up with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handles are at black agenda pod. And again, that's at black agenda pod. The other thing you can do to keep up with this when we're not here giving you facts on the black agenda is you can go to our website which is blackagendapod.com and go to blackagendapod.com forward slash news. And what you'll find is a new section of our website where we have plenty of articles written by some really talented interns here at the black agenda. So this is our very first season rolling this out. It's gotten good reception. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you go to blackagendapod.com forward slash news to read those articles and give some feedback to our interns We're trying to help them grow their skills while also trying to grow the show and the Black Agenda as a whole. So make sure you check that out. And so for me and Adrian, we hope you enjoyed this edition of our weekly roundup series. This is number 12, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday, April 12th for another regular episode called Can Black Culture Hurt Us? And then after that, we'll be back here to bring you weekly roundup number 13 on Saturday, April 16th. So a lot's coming to you. We're a little bit over halfway through the season, and it's been a great one so far. So we hope you stick with us on the back end. It's going to be a good one. We're going to close out strong. um, So lots coming to you. So until Tuesday, we'll catch you next time.